Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hi there, Christy Lee here. Welcome to episode number 156 of, of course, the People Powered Business Podcast. It's great to have you here today. For our returning listeners, welcome back. Wonderful to have you here. And I see we've got lots of new listeners joining us recently over the recent weeks. So welcome to you. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast and love having you here. Now, today's episode of the podcast, we are tackling maybe one of the most commonly asked questions that I get asked, because here's the thing, firing people, ending employment, having to performance manage someone, it's not fun. (laughs) It's not something any of us want to be doing. So even when we've got someone who maybe isn't ideal, our preference often as managers, as bosses of business, is to try and work with them, to try and improve things, to try and motivate them more, train them better, cross-skill them. And often we are patient to a fault when it comes to trying to avoid having to exit someone so that we can really get the most out of them. Because as I was actually chatting to one of my coaching clients just today, we kind of feel a sense of obligation to look after our people. Uh, We don't want to let them down. We worried about their livelihood and their ability to pay the bills if they weren't working for us. So we kind of quite often have this sense of uh, responsibility, I guess is the right word. So ending employment is hard, even when we don't have the best people. Yet often we've got a team that we know just aren't quite hitting their strides. They may be underperforming. Hopefully they're not toxic. (laughs) They may just be doing okay, but you know you could see there's so much more that they could be giving. Maybe they're not as productive as other people that you've had, or just not quite gelling as well. And you may have even sort of thought to yourself, imagine if this team was motivated. And if you haven't thought about that until now, I encourage you to take a moment to think how it would feel to have a team that was highly motivated and therefore a high-performing team, a team that wanted to come to work every day, all of them, not just one of them, all of them, and that you could rely on to deliver results from your business, that you could rely on to do their very best work to the best of their abilities at all times, to drive productivity, And ultimately, to make sure you can take a day off and that things are not only not going to fall apart, but continue to thrive. But if you own your own business, think about whether that's your team right now. Like if you wanted to take a day off, could you? Would it be okay? Would you be worried? Could you take a holiday and know that everything is fine? I know for the reality for many of you is no, is the short answer to that. So what would it mean for you personally if you did have a team who were motivated and high-performing at all times? 
what would be possible for you? What could you stop doing in your business if you had one of those people or it's at that team, I should say? What would be the possibility for you personally? I think it can be an absolute game changer when our team is that motivated, high-performing team. I would have shared on the podcast many times before that I truly believe the only way to have a successful business, which is successful by all the measures, however you want to measure that, but that also gives you any sense of freedom is by having the right team and not just any team. That's really important. This isn't just about having bodies in the room. This is about having the right team of people. So today I want to chat to you about what it might look like to transform your team from good or mediocre to great. I thought I'd share with you some strategies that you could start to look at implementing or understanding better to help you shift your team from wherever they are now to a motivated, to a high-performing team, to a super reliable team that you love working, have working for you and they love working for you. Would you like to know some of these strategies? (laughs) Let me share some with you. Now, I have to say, this is just three. I could go on, this could be a a three-hour, 10-hour long episode if we really got into all the possibilities here. But know that there are a lot of possibilities. There are lots of different avenues and ways that you can take your team and transform them from wherever they are now, good, mediocre, terrible, to great, to awesome. There's lots of things at your fingertips. But today I wanted to share with you three that I think are absolutely essential, not optional, and fundamental to building a successful, motivated, and high-performing team. Let's dive in. I'm going to give you an overview of the three of them first, and then we're going to delve a little deeper into each of them. The first thing that I think is essential is that you must understand the foundations of how to motivate people. I see so many business owners get tripped up on this, thinking they're doing all the motivating things and none of them are working. You have to understand the psychology of motivation if you're ever going to be effective in motivating people. So that's number one. The second is to problem solve from the bottom up. So create a mentality in your business that is from bottom up problem solving. I'm going to get into what that means in a moment. And the third, absolutely fundamental is to build your culture that is based on trust, that is vision-driven, and that creates a sense of belonging for your people. These are three foundation pieces to being able to have that team. And like I said, there's lots of other options at your fingertips, but these are ones that you would not want to miss. These are absolutely essential. So let's dive a little deeper into motivation and really understanding the foundations of motivation. Now, if you listened into last week's episode of the podcast, I actually brought you an episode from the vault, because unfortunately I was a little unwell last week's episode, where we unpacked intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Now, to give you the highlight reel of what that's all about, there are two fundamental types of motivation. Intrinsic is internally driven. It's our desire to do our job, to turn up to work, to enjoy the work we're doing. And extrinsic, things that are external to us, rewards, incentive, motivation techniques. These are two very different things. Now, as an employer, think to yourself, when you go to motivate your team, what are the things you think about doing to motivate them? Really often, I hear cash bonuses, I hear rewards, I hear incentives. 
I hear lunches, breakfasts, barbecues, gifts. Have you used those tools to motivate your team before? They're the most common ones, right? And it's understandable that we would think that by being generous with our people would motivate them. Here's the problem. None of those things work if they're not already intrinsically motivated. And in fact, they do the opposite. They can actually be unmotivating, demotivating to people. I think you just made up a word there. Um, And I've seen this. I see this all the time working with businesses where they've got cultural issues, lack of trust, people not intrinsically motivated at work. And they say to me, yes, my boss is extraordinarily generous, but it feels so, so wasteful and wrong because they don't care about me. So they don't feel like they're cared about. So all the gifts that are being thrown at them, all the lunches, all the team social events, they don't matter. And in fact, they do the opposite. And I think that is often for many of us, a really monumental brain shift that we have to make, that the way we think we need to motivate people is not. Taking your team on weekends away is not what they want most of the time. And they're certainly not going to enjoy that if they don't already want to be at work and spending time with their work colleagues. We have to take care of the intrinsic motivation first, and then we add the extrinsic on top. That's when we get the benefit of those extra generous measures. And how do we motivate people intrinsically? We have to get to know our people We have to know our people. If we don't know them, we're going to have no clue what's going to intrinsically motivate them to do the job. We speak a lot on the podcast about the concept of employee engagement, and I wanted to just debunk the myth that engagement and motivation are the same thing. They're absolutely related. One leads to another, but they are not the same thing. The best definition I've found of this is this. Engagement is the emotional connection and sense of commitment an employee feels to a company. Motivation is the energy an employee has to act on that feeling. Engagement is a feeling. Motivation is the doing. And I absolutely love that distinction. So if we unpack that further, the intrinsic side of motivation is very much the engagement piece. It's the emotional connection, the sense of commitment. And we're going to talk in a little while about culture and sense of commitment. Engagement comes back to culture as well. It's that sense of belonging with a company. When we feel that, we will act on that and we will act in a way that we are trying harder, doing different things, looking like someone that's motivated at work. That's the motivation piece. So we need to intrinsically motivate people to get them engaged in the, in the business and then we can extrinsically motivate them to take better action. I think that's one of the best breakdowns of engagement versus motivation. If someone is not engaged intrinsically, they are not going to take action. They're not going to be motivated. So therefore, there's no doing that's going to take place. Hopefully that makes sense. It's getting a little bit technical, but we absolutely must, as employers, understand the foundations of motivation and how we motivate people. So maybe just think about how you're motivating people and where that sits with that definition. The second fundamental strategy is problem solving from the bottom up. Now, I feel like this term or this concept isn't spoken about enough, actually. 
I kind of see it as common sense, but I know that not everyone does. Recently, I was really fortunate to spend some time with some of our members of People Powered HR, some fabulous business owners, and we were talking about this exact concept about training our team to solve problems for themselves and how fundamental that was to creating the kind of culture that we want in our businesses and how we can go about embedding that. The thing is, when our team come to us with a problem and we give them the answers, which can sometimes be our natural instinct because we like to solve problems, all we are doing is training them to expect answers from us and that they shouldn't be doing any thinking or problem solving for themselves. So we are training them to just totally rely on us. Now, a team that is totally relying on us all the time is never going to be high performing. It's never going to give us a sense of freedom. So by answering questions and solving problems constantly for our people, we are preventing ourselves from having a high-performing team. We are basically sabotaging our own success. Solutions from a business perspective should not always be top-down. If all of our team rely on us to come up with solutions all the time, we're going to have no innovation in our business. They're never going to learn to fend for themselves and we're actually going to be stifling their development in our business. We're going to be holding our team members back. Whereas if we reverse it, we make problem solving a bottom-up strategy, everyone at every level has to solve problems. Now, they might need to run problems past you, run solutions past you, but everyone at every level needs to solve problems relevant to their level. And when the problems are no longer relevant to their level, then they get escalated to the next level and that becomes their problem to solve. But not letting them solve problems, preventing them from solving problems and always giving them the answer is the absolute worst thing you can do and it is a shortcut to a low performing team. So how do you do it? Really simple. Never solve a problem for them. An employee has, if an employee comes to you with a problem, they must come to you with solutions. I love the three solution method. It's pretty common. Come to me with at least three options about how you're going to fix the problem and then I'll help you work through it. Of course, you're training them in how to make the decision and how to problem solve, but you're not solving the problem for them. And for some of us, and I have definitely been guilty of this, that's really hard because we just want to go, there's the answer, off you go, I'm a genius. (laughs) But you're not. You're absolutely not. You're sabotaging your team. So bottom-up problem solving is my second fundamental strategy for building high-performing teams. And my third strategy comes down to building your culture. Now, I couldn't tell you how many times people say, I don't really understand how to build a culture. I don't know how to define my culture. How do I assess people for values? All of those kind of things. And I get it because it's not tangible. It's quite hard to articulate sometimes. But Simon Sinek has a beautiful, simple formula. Values plus behavior equals culture. That's it. That's simple. If you are clear on your values and your values are yours, so only you can decide what they are, what are the things you stand for? I have a Hamilton reference in my head in case any other Hamilton fans are listening. If you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? If you're not clear what you stand for and ultimately, of course, what you'll fall for and what you don't stand for, then that's a problem. You've got to get clear on that. And they are your values. Your values don't have to be any more complicated than that. Your team should not be making up your company values. Your team should be engaged in what they are, but it's not their decision to make. You need to come up with them because they're your values especially if you own the business. They have to reflect your values. You might tweak the wording and 
workshop it with the team, of course, but whoever's leading the ship has to decide on the values. If you're clear on those and you're clear on what behaviours represent those values, this is how we do things around here, those kind of behaviours, that's the culture. You will create a culture. Now, if you're clear on your values, but you are tolerating behaviours that are not in alignment with those values, what do you think is going to happen to your culture? It's not going to be the culture you want. It's not going to be reflective of your values. Those two ingredients are what creates value, uh, what creates culture, I should say. Clear on your values and behaviors that align with those values. That's it. So simple. The other core piece to culture is building a team of trust. Team members must trust each other and even more importantly, potentially trust you as the leader. And conversely, that trust is built by you putting trust in them. If your people feel that you don't trust them to do a good job, to get that project delivered, and this will show up as you micromanaging, then they're not going to trust you. They're not going to feel trusted and they're never going to show up as high-performing individuals. Because how can they? If they feel like constantly you're not going to, you don't trust them to get the job done, they're never going to do their best job. Our job as leaders is to put trust in people and to guide them towards their best and to believe wholeheartedly that they will do that. If they sense that that's not the case, they will never give their best. If your team are fearful, and when I say fearful, it's not like, it's not necessarily like a fight or flight fear. It is a psychological safety, a sense of psychological safety. If that doesn't exist because they're worried about your response, they're worried about making a mistake, they they don't know where their boundaries are, they're worried about overstepping the mark, even in the tiniest of ways, you do not have a foundation of trust. And you have to role model creating trust in your team by taking action, by modeling the behavior that you want them to exhibit. You can't be doing one thing and expecting your team to do another. That erodes the trust. You can't be dishonest. You can't say things and not follow through. That erodes the trust. If you say you're going to do it, you do it. And the third part of the culture piece that I wanted to chat about is creating a sense of belonging. Like I'm hanging out with my people. These are my people. And that's going to be different for all of you because this comes back to the culture piece as well. That sense of belonging comes back to culture, but it also comes back to rituals and uh, connection points that we have with our team. So I'm thinking of an example of one of our wonderful members of People Powered HR. They have a culture that is family friendly and they don't just say it, they mean it and they show up in that way at every turn with their employees and they exhibit, they, they they lead by example in how they do that. Now, someone whose values were not family-centered, and in fact, maybe someone who is, you know, maybe not interested in having a family or, or isn't family first, they would not fit in with this business because they are, that is a core value. They show up in that way in every single way with their team. And that is what creates a sense of belonging in the team because they all trust each other that if one of them has a family thing, an emergency, whatever, that they need to do, they will have that person's back because they know the next week it could be them. So there's this culture of trust around that and that sense of belonging that these are my people. These people get where I am in life right now and what my needs are. That's that sense of belonging. And you don't have to go to that extent, but 
the fact that we do these certain things together, that we've got these connection points, that we have common interests, all of those things create a sense of belonging. When people feel that sense of belonging, they're far less likely to leave a job because people leave people, not jobs, right? So that sense of belonging. So the culture piece is quite, you know, convoluted. We could do many, many episodes on that piece alone. But that forms the three fundamental pieces of things you can do to transform your team from good to great, from taking your team wherever they are now and moving them into a motivated and high-performing team. You need to understand the foundations of motivation and how to implement that in your business. You need to create a basis of problem-solving from the ground up, so bottom-up problem-solving, and you need to build a culture that's based on trust, that's vision-driven, and that creates a sense of belonging. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, you could do a million things, but these three things are fundamental to being able to transform your team and for you to be able to get the team in your business that you want and that you deserve. As we wrap up today's episode, I just want you to take a moment to really imagine what it would feel like if your team were motivated and high performers all the time. What would it mean for you to have that team? It might free up your time, might let you take a holiday. Maybe you can have a four-day work week. Maybe you don't have to miss out on that sporting event, on your kids' activities, on whatever it is you're missing out on right now because you have to monitor your team so closely. And with that in mind, what is one action that you can take towards that vision today? Do you need to start getting your team to come to you with solutions and not problems? Can you start working on your culture? Or now that you understand motivation a little better, can you start thinking about how you can embed that? Just take one action first. You'll see the difference and then take the next one. Now, if you would like to continue the conversation about transforming your team from good to great and motivating your people, come and join us in our free Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. We would love to see you there. You can ask questions. You can contribute to conversations. It is full of other business owners, leaders, and managers just like you. So if you search Facebook groups, HR Support Australia, you will find us. But of course, the link is in today's show notes, which you can find wherever you are listening to this episode. That's it for me for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to chat to you again next week on the People Powered Business Podcast. Mm -hmm.